This week, the Time Meddler. From the BBC website, the TARDIS arrives on an English coastline in the year 1066. Exploring, the Doctor discovers that one of his own people, the Monk, is conspiring to wipe out the Viking fleet and thus allow King Harold to face the forces of William of Normandy with a fresh army at the Battle of Hastings. The Doctor succeeds in thwarting the Monk's plans and leaves him trapped in England. I mean, I don't know much about history, but I do know that William the Conqueror did win the Battle of Hastings. I do now he did. If the Monk changes it, I suppose our memories will change as well. What about the history books? That's all right. They're not written yet. They'll just write and print the new version. But that means that the exact minute, the exact second that he does it, every history book, every, well, the whole future of every year and time on Earth will change just like that, and nobody will know that it has. I suppose that's what I'm trying to say. Huh. It's more than his time traveling than meets the eye. You're listening to Oi Spaceman, a Doctor Who love story. A nerdy podcast hosted by a husband and wife who just can't stop talking about Doctor Who. We're overeducated, sex positive, LGBTQIA plus friendly, and not afraid to be critical. Warning, listening to this podcast will expose you to naughty language, spoilers, a distrust of Stephen Moffat, and other adult content. Idby. What? Idby? Hmm. I-D-B-I. Yes? Means I don't believe it. Well, hello again and welcome to episode 29 of Oi Spaceman, a Doctor Who love story, a podcast that I do uh, with my husband Daniel here. Say hi, Daniel. Hello. And I'm Shayna, and we are going to talk about some more classic Who. We are. Which is really exciting, um, because uh, I was. This is actually the first time I've really gotten to see um, more of Funny Hartnell. Yeah. No. Um. I was actually going to ask you. You know, what is your general feeling today? We are going to be doing yeah. the Time Meddler. Um, which is yeah. the very last episode of C or the very last story of series two or season two. Um, well, and so there are a few things that I should say, um, just to give our listeners some context. Um, so I hadn't seen the preceding episode, so this is or like much of the preceding episodes at all. So this is my first time seeing Vicky. Yeah, um, originally our plan was to do the Romans first, right. and then the Time Meddler, but the Romans, for things for reasons we'll discuss next week, the Romans ended up showing up later than the Time Meddler in our uh, DVD queue, so, we're go- so we decided to just go ahead and do yeah. the Time Meddler. Um, but anyway, so uh, there's Vicky, and then there's also Steven, who is brand new in the episode. Steven appears or... at the end of the chase. Okay. Um, he's so... kind of introduced as this, like, hotshot space pilot. Yeah. Um, the chase is the last episode with Ian and Barbara. Yeah. Um, so... Holly's been around for maybe six months now. I was really, just from the beginning, I think it's a really interesting dynamic. You have the Doctor, who at this point is very confident. He, you know, William Hartnell at this point has just created this amazingly depthful character that has little silly nuances and very thoughtful moments and feels very human and alien at the same time and and he's just really fun to watch in this episode you know the uh stereotype the received fan wisdom in a lot of ways yes. is that uh the doctor is the uh just the first doctor is the grumpy old man who never tells a joke and never smiles and never says anything of any kind of cleverness or import and basically you should just skip him and move on to patrick trump and, that's and I so totally wrong. agree with that, right? Like, you that's, know, that's so wrong. Yeah. Well, and what I think is funny is, um, and I haven't seen much Patrick Troughton, and I still have a special place in my heart for him after going to a Chicago TARDIS. 
Uh, um, which we will be covering next week. We're going to. I didn't want to do two kind of Chicago TARDIS things in a row. Yeah. After our conversation with Paul Booth last week. Right. Thought, we'll talk more about it. I'm just going to reference that hearing the cast talk about Troughton. I mean, the the man is like a saint of Doctor Whodum. Um, but what you see in this episode with Hartnell is just, you know, I said it before. Um, it's still, there's still that theatrical edge, that Shakespearean edge where he'll have like little soliloquies where you see him working something out and he kind of is his own bouncing board. And, um, and then there are points when he just makes fun of people, um, which is, I'm going to read the first two quotes because I looked for quotes for this episode and on every side I found there were only three. Well, okay. So technically there's, there's one more on, on IMDb, but these three quotes, uh, were the recurring. The first, uh, but I know which three they are. I'm sure you do. If you've seen the episode, you know what I'm about to say. Uh, the doctor, um, speaking to Stephen, um, says, that is the dematerializing control, and that over yonder is the horizontal hold. Up there is the scanner. Those are the doors. And that is a chair with a panda on it. Sheer poetry, dear boy. Now please stop bothering me. You wouldn't know this because you've never listened to our podcast, but I actually had that audio as one of our little intro sequences early on in the podcast. At, okay, that's true. I don't listen to our own podcasts. <laughs> she doesn't listen to any podcasts, so, you know. Uh, hey, maybe after I graduate. Um, but the, just the intelligence, the humor, um, the panda, the poetry, <laughs> it hits lots of my high points. Um, but it's funny. You know, it's it's a very funny line, and we, we don't, I mean... People who have seen Hartnell know how funny he could be and how yeah. silly he often was. Um, he doesn't get that reputation. I mean, he's still kind of thought of as the grumpy doctor. Yeah. And he is silly more often than he is grumpy, honestly. Yeah. Um, and what I think is interesting... the Unearthly Child, or an Unearthly Child, yeah. and, you know, maybe the Daleks, you go, yeah, he's just grumpy all the time. He's kind of a dick. Um, not really the case in most of his episodes. Well, and I think what's funny is... <sighs> You know, one of the issues we often have with contemporary Who, I, we're I've, trying not to name any any. You yeah, know. No, no names this time. Yeah, um, we're gonna try really hard. But is that we feel like sometimes the Doctor's jokes are at the expense of others in in a mean way. Yeah, um, but, we're talking particularly of Series Eight and Capaldi and Clara. So yes, you know. um, but here he's making fun of Stephen because Stephen is being a dick. Well, Stephen is being very reasonable and he's saying, I don't believe that this is a time machine. I don't believe that this is, you know. Yeah. Uh, you know, you're kind of, I mean, it's funny how the first episode of The Time Meddler kind of acts as a sort of uh, reintroduction to the series. Um, yeah, and I think that that's what I'm, I'm kind of was am trying to get at is like the dynamic between these three characters just off the start is so entertaining right. and so interesting. Um, Maureen O'Brien, who played Vicky, and we're going to see more of this when yeah. we talk about the Romans, and that's mm -hmm. why we really should have done them in order, but, you know, um, Maureen O'Brien had a really great relationship with William Hartnell. Um, oh, okay. He really liked her, and so She's funny. they are very good together. Well, and then, so you get this Vicky character who's smart as a whip, very sarcastic. Um, I, clearly, I couldn't find it in the quotes, but there are a few times where Stephen says something, and she's like, oh, it just can't possibly be that, <laughs> you know? And But without overdoing it, and she's also just 
really cute with her little pigtails and her little futuristic boat neck sweatshirt, which I want. Um, again, I'm obsessed with the fashion in some of Classic Who. Hey, it's great. Yeah, so next Chicago TARDIS, expect a Vicky cosplay. Remind me if I forget, okay? Uh, <laughs> but so then... There's, so you got another quote for us? Yes, there's this other quote that... that <laughs> so the doctor shows Stephen a Viking helmet... And says, hey, see, look, we're we're in Viking times. And Stephen is still scoffing. He says, what do you think it is? A space helmet for a cow? Which is really funny. What was even funnier is when I was searching specifically for that quote, I found on Tumblr an image of a cow with a space helmet on. And it said, yeah, Stephen. <laughs> Oh, Tumblr. So, you need to send me that link so I can uh, put it in our show notes. Yeah, I'll, I'll make sure to find it again. Um, but yeah, like it, it's really hard to have those two moments alone that are like quotable and funny um, and to not remember that as part of Hartnell. I agree. Our dog is crying, so I need to go let her in. So we're going to take a little break. Pause. All right, I think the puppy is uh, pacified for, for a few minutes, so we'll kind of see if we can move on here. But, yes. um So the first Doctor, very funny. Um, this episode, actually one of my favorite Hartnell episodes. Yeah. Um, one of the reasons I wanted to show it to you. Um, also, a very kind of modern episode. Um, you know, it's not mm -hmm. hard to imagine this kind of fitting comfortably, the same kind of general plot line fitting in the modern series you know it's not hard to see Tennant or matt smith or Capaldi. yeah that's true i hadn't thought of it that way but it, it is a very um i think the only reason i might disagree is that it is <laughs> it's so much based in history and right. we haven't really seen a history episode well um robot of sherwood is kind of a similar uh, sort of story where yeah, you know, that's we're true. kind of back in history there's this um and this actually fits the kind of um Again, you know, should have seen the Romans first, but, you know, if you think about um, An Unearthly Child, for instance, and you think about the the caveman story, the caveman part of that story is essentially a historical, you know, you're, you land in a kind of historical event that's happening. That's true. And, you know, you explore this historical event, and then the Doctor and his companions run away at the end. That's essentially sort of the that's plot true. of most of the historicals, is because we can't really affect what's going on, mm -hmm. and so we just kind of get involved... We uh, get in some trouble, and then we um, run back to the TARDIS and, and leave. Mm -hmm. um, this is kind of the beginning of we're doing these, what they now call pseudo-historicals, where mm -hmm. we're in history, but there's some science fictional thing happening at the same right. time. Right, um, right. And I like that. And um, I do think it's fun because I was, I was talking about how much they make fun of Stephen, but and I'm just going to read all the quotes at the beginning of the episode this week because that's what I feel like doing. Um, he does get to be the rationalist in kind of a fun way, too, which we don't always get to see. Right. Um, and I can imagine at the time, having just lost Ian and Barbara, um, you would want somebody to still be there being the the straight man, as it were. And so Stephen and Vicky have a conversation where he says, you gave this ship a name just now. What was it? Vicky answers TARDIS, T-A-R-D-I-S. It stands for Time and Relative Dimensions in Space. And Stephen responds, Idby. And Vicky says, What? Idby? And Stephen says, I-D-B-I. Yeah? Means I don't believe it. And it's it's a funny little moment, and you get a lot of character out of it, and you get not a romantic relationship 
starting, but you get a banter and you get like an energy. Um, and again, that was the last thing I wanted to read just because like, I feel like within this really very first scene, um, is when both all of those quotes happen just about, um, you just get such a feel of like where this, this dynamic is going. Mm -hmm. Um, which I just think is really cool, and, and it's a fun dynamic, and there's a lot of depth to it very quickly. Yeah, no, um, I definitely agree. Um, this is actually the, um, Very Lambert's kind of on her way out at this point. Um. Um, she is still producing, but they're kind of uh, transitioning to the new producer, mm -hmm. um, John Wiles, who uh, only sticks around for six months, uh, who makes some great stories, but had very different ideas about what Doctor Who should be than mm -hmm. Very Lambert. Um, and we're going to kind of skip over some of that, um, okay. but we'll, we'll talk about it uh, a little bit here later. But, um, one thing, one thing that, uh, John Wiles changed was, uh, Vicky does not have very much longer to be on the TARDIS, unfortunately. Um, oh. she, she's actually going to be leaving here and, uh, I think two more stories. Oh. Um. So how long was she? She was around for maybe a year. Um, okay. She kind of starts up halfway through season two and kind of ends halfway through season three. So she she sticks around for about a year, which is you know not not a short amount of time. But, right. Um, uh, she did she did she did leave uh, probably before it was really uh, time to make her leave. Um, but uh, John Wiles didn't like the uh, the uh, the kind of punchy female character. I think. Um, you mean the the smart. Well, we're going to talk a lot more about that um, actually in two weeks right. when we talk about, uh, or in, in two kind of full episodes, because there are a bunch of missing episodes that, are, that we're going to run into very shortly, and um, some missing companions, and we're going to watch a little special thing and read an article and talk about those two things along with the kind of missing companions, so. This um, is Daniel telling me that in two weeks I'm going to have homework to do. <laughs> It's very short. Okay. Yeah, no, I I can imagine that happening as it has happened several times over the history of Doctor Who. Would you like to guess how they get rid of Vicky? <sighs> Do they refrigerate her? She gets married. Oh, well, hmm. marriage is better than death. That, that's the typical way they get rid of uh, classic Who companions. Oh, really? She gets married. You know, oh, it's, okay. it's kind of one of those things. Anyway. Um, we've kind of been uh, off in our own little world for a minute. Um, let's talk a little bit about um, these two companions, since we are kind of looking at these episodes through the lens of the companions. Um, what do you think of Vicky? I mean, we've kind of talk, talked about this already, but, but what do you think of her as a companion? Um, I, we'll talk more about her in the Romans. But um, I like her. She's she's smart. She doesn't really put up with shit in this episode, like from anybody. Um, and she's she also... I don't ever feel like she's a follower. Mm -hmm. um, you know, a lot of the things that I you can criticize of portrayals of women in Doctor Who, like, she's not that. Um, I also think it's really interesting that we start off with her really missing Ian and Barbara. And, yep. like, <laughs> people leave and other people are affected by it. <laughs> <laughs> well, um, what's interesting here, I think, is that, uh, you know, Vicky is the very first replacement in the show's history. Um, oh, because yeah. Because she replaces Susan. Um, yeah. Susan leaves and then Vicky comes in on the next story. And, um, you know, here we're kind of halfway through her, her run. She's very, she has a very strong personality. She has mm -hmm. a very, um, good relationship with the other people in the cast. Um, it's kind of, uh, 
She doesn't do a lot, and it's kind of the, the one kind of negative thing. But she's, yeah, no, I'm, she's miles ahead of what Susan was given to do. Thinking know? back, and you're asking me why I like her, and I'm like thinking in very vague terms because it's like it's not that she did anything, perhaps that I liked. It's the way she responded to situations that kind of I don't want to say she was snarky, but you know had a sense of humor, and she seems just a little bit, you know involved in the situation um i also want to say even uh because i mentioned that she misses ian and barbara i loved that several times the doctor actually references them and says Mm -hmm. oh barbara the history teacher she would remember this for sure um you know and i think he, he mentions ian at another point of i think i think you're right i think he something he would have been able to do um and i think it doesn't overdo it but it's I don't know. It's it's nice to see a very natural progression of this character's growth. Yeah. No. And instead of feeling like we have to, like, all right, that happened, it's done, and moving on. It's nice to still be able to have a moment, and I think that honors your audience a little bit, too, um, and that it gives them time well, to Well, it gives the audience, that. I mean, you know, this is essentially a full cast renewal except for Hartnell, mm-hmm. you know. Um, I think it does give you a, a nice little... Um, you know, just, oh yeah, let's remember these people who are, you know, I'm sure fans of the show are still going to miss, mm-hmm. and let's give them some, you know, like, a mention of that. Uh, I like that. Yeah. So, uh, Stephen, what do you think of Stephen? This is his first kind of full episode. Um, um He kind of, he shows up at the end of the chase, just kind of being badass space pilot guy, but, um, you know. You know, he's, I like that he's a little bit, um, he gets to be that companion who doesn't quite believe everything at first and, you know, waits to see it for himself. And I like that in Companions. Um, and I like that, honestly, like, Vicky and the Doctor poke fun at him and he, he really brushes it off. It's not like some issue of machismo or... So it, it just feels like a really normal dude, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> if that's a weird thing to say, like a believable normal guy from the background that they say he's from um, um peter per peter purvis who plays steven um peter purvis yeah um p u r v e s uh he is uh still around he's still with us and he uh, still does doctor who conventions and stuff. oh very cool um so uh seems like a really nice guy in interviews and such and uh i i like him a lot he he does kind of you know um this is also the first time i mean you you kind of run into for the rest of the 60s we're basically going to have the doctor mm-hmm. and then a male and a female companion you know mm-hmm. a, a young boy and a young girl essentially you know mm-hmm. in their in their 20s mm-hmm. um you know the girl gets to be the kind of sassy smart one and the boy gets to be the action hero like that's mm-hmm. that's essentially the the way that yeah. um we're going to do these things um and how they play with that is something we're going to be talking about for yeah. the rest of the 60s i think as of this point it's not tired yet no i'll not say at all. that I mean, it, this it is... feels it feels fun it feels genuine um and it doesn't feel like the old man and the two young kids right you know it because he's so he has so much energy in this episode. He is so funny and quippy, and um, it's hard to see him as old. Yeah, and uh, one of the things that's really uh, interesting here is that this is at the end of a season, you know, and seasons were 46 weeks long in those days. Jesus. They were working essentially six days a week, seven days a week. 
for 46 weeks in a row, which is why they go on vacation, you know, for certain episodes. Yeah. Um, Hartnell's missing from episode two of this. Yeah. Um, which they actually cover very well. I actually told you while we were watching it that, yeah. oh yeah, Hartnell went on vacation. But I thought about uh, surprising you with it during the podcast because uh, this is one of the ones where they yeah. actually uh, hide it pretty well. Well, it, but if you had surprised me with it right now, I would not have remembered because it really is. They it just they work it into the plot. It's he's in a jail cell. He's in a jail cell, and, and he uh, sneaks out, and nobody really notices for a while. Right, and it's like <laughs> totally believable. I like it. Totally did not. Um, you know what? What? How they say in, in good special effects, you're not supposed to notice them. Mm-hmm. It's good writing. You don't notice that somebody's been written out. <laughs> well, uh, and not only the writing here, but the direction is really good. This yeah. one is uh, the first one that we're covering that was actually uh, directed by Douglas Camfield, who is uh, widely considered to be the best director in all of Classic Who. Um, you get some nice little directorial moments, like when uh, Stephen finds the wristwatch, and you get that kind of zoom in right on the wristwatch. Uh, yeah, no, it's and... it's a pretty episode. Yeah, it's yeah a very... it, it does capture those angles and everything very well. I hadn't been thinking of it in terms of direction, but that does make sense. Yeah. Um, one of the uh, ironies is that the when we talk about lost episodes, mm-hmm. that um, some of the ones that are uh, not as good to listen to are the ones with really good direction because they were able to tell some of the story visually and right. so uh, it's actually harder to listen to some of the episodes that were directed by douglas camfield because presumably the direction was so much better hmm. um than average so it's it's kind of a it's kind of a weird little thing to think about um and we'll talk about that a little bit more later um since this is a uh, called the time meddler what yeah. do you think of the time meddler yeah so it's funny because peter butterworth played that character the monk the, monk. the meddling monk uh, it's funny for me because we get to that point and we know there's a monk and we can see that the doctor's kind of questioning it. And then like he essentially walks into a speaker and it's very immediately like everything clicks into place. And it's just kind of funny um, that it's like, oh, there's technology and the rest is just finding out all the little pieces of how it works. And so again... I like how the storytelling is. Mm-hmm. Uh, I like how he's introduced. I also like uh, the doctors hanging out with some random lady of 1066, who is the same actress from The Tribe of Gum. The Tribe of Gum. Her. In, in 100,000 BC. In 100,000 BC, her. And I like totally recognized her because I refer to her as my Lady Macbeth because she's totally a Lady Macbeth character and... um the previous one but anyways so i'm having a great moment enjoying this actress again um and then you just have like the reveal and so then the monk becomes as we follow what he's doing um we see how devious he is and it feels like a nice little mystery story i guess is what i'm saying um it's definitely structured kind of like a mystery like you don't you, like you're you're it's not like they're teasing you with information they're giving you information but you're kind of getting it and you're putting it together piecemeal, piecemeal and, by yourself um and the monk himself and is as just this originally aired it would have been over like four weeks it wouldn't you know so, yeah you know and the monk himself is just he's a very weird character there's a lot of depth to that performance where Absolutely. he's I I don't know. He's just kind of weird. The monk would be my if I could pick one 
character or one kind of villain or whatever mm-hmm. from the classic series to come back in the new series, the monk would be my number oh, one he'd choice. Oh, be, he'd be fascinating in the new series because he's just kind of fucking shit up to fuck shit up. We, like, we there's, know, we there's know at that... one point where he says something about Shakespeare being on TV. Um, and then the doctor's like, what, TV, Shakespeare? Oh, right, yes, I remember the medium. Or, you know, <laughs> like, it's, it's really silly. But this idea that there is a Time Lord who is specifically going out just to fuck some shit up. Yeah, he's he's essentially, it's it's funny, like, in the, and, and we'll cover these guys a little bit later. Mm-hmm. In the history of the show, we really get th- four rogue Time Lords, mm-hmm. you know, in the classic series. Yeah. The Doctor is our first rogue Time Lord. Yeah. Um, the Meddler, uh, or the Monk, if you want to call him either way, uh-huh. you know, um, is, the, is the kind of first one we read, we, yeah. we kind of see um, chronologically. Right. And then the other two are the Master and the Ronnie. Uh-huh. And it's interesting to compare and contrast those. I mean, I, you know, you've seen yeah. the, the modern day master who's much more kind of evil. I'm trying to take over the world, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, the meddler is much more ambiguous. He's just he's just going around. He's essentially like the doctor because the doctor is yeah. just traveling around and doing stuff. Yeah. But the meddler just wants to, like, play around. Like he's, Yeah, he's, he's like, not, wouldn't um, it be funny if we changed this one thing? He, he's the what moral... happens if we don't let the Vikings show up? He he's the doctor without the he's kind of the amoral doctor in a way. Mm-hmm. You know, he he's doing the same thing the doctor does, but he's just kind of like he just wants to fiddle around. He's not he's not considering the consequences of his actions, and yeah. that makes him interesting. I think it's very you know... interesting. I will say that because of those four characters, the the doctors, two new companions, or you know one new, you know what I mean, Stephen and Vicky, Stephen and Vicky, uh, the monk. Um, because of how interesting they are, when we get the storyline, the side storyline with, like, the Vikings actually getting there, and, like, Ulf and Gunner. Right. And I think it's Gunner who has the, the, the like, 90s high school girl wig for a Viking. It's, like, half up and has bangs and, like, a little braid, and I'm like, oh my god, that's not a Viking. Um, but he walks around a bunch, like, all I remember the Vikings doing is that dude's hair and him walking and going, oof, oof. Yeah, they're, they, they oof. kind of drive the plot, but they're not, um, yeah, they're definitely not what you're looking at. I mean, honestly, no. I can't, like, I actually have to go and look up the plot details to remember exactly how things get resolved because I'm so fascinated with just the performances and yes. the characters yeah. that I just don't really the, keep track of the plot. And I think that much. that's what's interesting oh. about this episode is... The plot isn't, and that is the dog eating food on my lap. The dog is chewing her kibble. Hopefully that did not uh, overwhelm the speakers. Yeah, but um, I think what I like about this episode is the plot plot, the actual narrative plot, um, is fine. But what's really going on is this, like, character plot. This idea of the what happens when you put these characters together in this situation and how does this play out. Um, like we said, kind of like a mystery. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that element is, is really well done. And so you can, it doesn't matter what time period it's set in. This is a cool story. Um, I did see that there was a novelization of it. I wonder if they changed anything, but. Um, there are novelizations of almost all the classic yeah. stories, most of which were written by Terrence Dix in the seventies. Because, oh, okay. um, keep in mind. At this point, you can't uh, record things. You, you know, like you, there was no buying the DVD or the VHS or anything. Yeah. So the only way to relive it was to have a the novelization. Or listen to it. Um. So. Yep. Yep. Anyway, but yeah. So, 
yeah, I, I just think, like... Other, other kind of general thoughts about the Time Meddler or any of the characters in it? Um, you know, not really. I, I feel like it's weird. I feel like I have a really strong sense of who the characters are, but I don't necessarily remember all the details. Yeah, no, um, this is, uh, this is actually one of my favorite stories from the Hartnell era, mm-hmm. um, largely because of the, the plot, the, mm-hmm. the character of the monk, um, but it is kind of a, there's not a lot that actually, like, happens in it, uh, which mm. is an interesting kind of thing, like, yeah. it's, it's very, uh, strong in terms of its characters, in mm-hmm. terms of, but it's kind of hard to talk about it, you know, like, there's not a lot of thematic stuff that's happening, um, it is, no. it is the first time that we're really using, um, okay, it's not the first time, um, but it is one of the early times that you're really using time travel as a device in a story in Doctor yeah. Who. Um, there was the earlier Space Museum, which was uh, uh, which kind of had elements of that. And uh, the Aztecs is kind of talking about like changing history and that sort of thing. Um, and again, that, that's something that, that feels very modern in a lot of ways. Um, like kind of talking about time yeah. travel as a device as opposed to just a way of getting from place to place. Well, and the way that Vicky, who is... A companion, but has not been traveling for very long. Right. Is talking about time travel to a brand new companion. Right. And the characters that they are having that conversation. I think it's really interesting. I think you have an interesting conversation about the show in that way. Mm-hmm. Um, talk just the way that they kind of banter back and forth about time and what it takes to believe in someone. Yeah. You know, like... I what what is it because they're walking around and it's not until he finally sees I don't know a landscape and he's like wow we really must be back in 1066 and she's like oh you think <laughs> and I I think it's that dynamic of this episode this idea of proving oneself to each other and yeah, I mean, um, it's really interesting that, that um, the, the, the plot kind of, you know, the whole reason that this plot even exists, really, is the Doctor's like, yeah, you guys go climb the cliff, I'm going to go around the long way, yeah. and they separate for no particular reason, you know, yeah. it's but it's completely like, yeah, and this is how the plot happens. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, if uh, Vicky and Steven had just gone with the Doctor, like, most yeah. of this would, would not have happened yeah. the way it does. Um it's also like one of those things that we see over and over again in Classic Who. Mm-hmm. One of the, again, a difference between Classic Who and New Who that I didn't really think about until somebody mentioned it is the, in Classic Who the companions tend to get separated from the Doctor, um, and so they're kind of going off on their plot, and the Doctor has his plot, and then they kind of meet up at the end or something like that. So um, really um, interesting dynamic there, and a um, I really like how so much of this episode is really just Stephen and Vicky wandering around and chatting. Like, they, they really yeah. get to be um, fun, you know? Yeah. Um, it's and a great Stephen and Vicky episode. Yeah, yeah. And I I also think it's a, a really interesting episode, even though we don't see as much of the Doctor, because he went on vacation. Uh, <laughs> we see, we learn, a, we learn about the Doctor by the way we see the meddler the monk Mm -hmm. um and by saying like oh so this is what other people could be like if they're not like him yeah and the doctor gets to interrogate the the meddler um kind of gets to be a badass you know he sticks a a stick in his back says it's a winchester 73 Mm -hmm. and uh gets him to essentially reveal his plan um very cleverly very um the the Mm -hmm. scenes between uh, the meddler and the doctor i think are are some of the best scenes in the story oh absolutely Um, because it it is one of those like a greeting a meeting of great minds. Right. 
Um, what do you think of the like mythology behind the meddler in terms of like how it relates to how you think about time lords today? I don't know. I mean, like time lord mythology is so kind of weird right now. Um, for me, well, it's worth noting that the word time lord isn't spoken here. It won't be spoken right. until uh, he Patrick says Charm's he's one of his him. like one from his own planet or right. something like yeah. that. He just says, oh, he's from my own planet, and he has a TARDIS, that great reveal at the end of uh, yeah. episode three of yeah. the, the Monk's TARDIS. I think you're right. Yeah, absolutely. Um, one of those like classic uh, endings in um, uh, one yeah. of the great cliffhangers. Oh, absolutely. Um, And then at the end of episode four, when the Monk is... Uh, when the the, the doctor uh, removes the demon, uh, the um, uh, whatever the circuit's called, the it's, displacement circuit or whatever. Yeah. And um, the monk's TARDIS is uh, the same size on the outside as the inside, and you get that little bit where the monk is uh, uh, peering inside of <laughs> his own TARDIS. The puppy is being. We're gonna have to cut this off a little bit early, I think, because the puppy is is really just being distracting. Um, we should have given her a Benadryl or something. She just knocked not her out. drugging the dog. Anyway, but yeah, and I mean, uh, to be fair, I'm not sure that there's a whole lot else to be said about this episode, other than like, would I recommend people watch it? Absolutely. Would I you think. recommend it to people who've never seen a Doctor Who before in their life? Would you say this is your first Doctor Who you should watch? Maybe classic who? If maybe, somebody's maybe seen... if somebody said, you know, I watched some new who, I saw an early child and didn't really like it, I could say, Well, you know what? Don't give up on heart and I'll go back and watch this. I, I would agree with it. I think that this is uh, one of those, like, if somebody's a new series fan, this is one that would really introduce people to the classic series mm -hmm. very well. And I think um, if you haven't seen Unearthly Child watching this and then going back and watching it, The Unearthly Child, you might like The Doctor a little more. Yeah, no, I think so. Once you see kind of mm -hmm. you know, the better, the, the, the nicer version of The Doctor. Yeah. Um, I don't disagree. All right, yeah, sorry this episode is uh, going to be a little bit uh, short and maybe a little bit weirdly paced. We've kind of had some issues with our uh, animals just not wanting to uh, let us podcast today. Um, Nobody gets along in this house. Yeah, well, it's it's just everybody's a little punchy. I don't know what's going on. Maybe it's the, the winter is kind of uh, making... Uh, Michigan warmed up to a few degrees and everyone's like, what? Anyway, um, so we're both very positive on the Time Meddler. Uh, yeah. Really great episode. Um, has a lot to say about I, the... I would love to see the the meddler monk, the meddling monk, come back. I think that is a good point. If, if they wanted to revive a character, as they so often seem to want to do, I would be fine with him coming back. Because he could be... Um, I keep thinking of like the Loki character, the trickster, the... Mm -hmm. You know, those are fun characters because they create problems. I mean, it's like the Joker and Batman. You, right. It's it's a different kind of foil um, to the Doctor than the Master, for say. Right. Yeah. No. Definitely. And uh, again, would would fit very well into the new series in terms of the way it. Man, um, what if Missy had been the monk and not the Master? What if I mean, what if, what if what if Matt Smith had just played the meddler instead of the Doctor? You just blew my mind. I mean, imagine Matt Smith as the meddler. Imagine Peter Capaldi was the 11th Doctor, as we kind of think that was kind of the original intention from kind of some, some interviews. That, you know, Peter Capaldi was supposed to come in and be the 11th Doctor, and then Matt Smith had been the meddler. That would have been cool. 
Uh, yeah, I'm on board for that alternate universe that we live in. Yeah, over in the better universe, or over in the different universe. I'm not going to complain yeah. too much. but Over in universe C. Yeah. <laughs> All right, um, wrapping up here. Any more thoughts about the Time Battler, or um, anything else? No, I mean, it, it was great to see a really strong and um, funny Hartnell performance. And yep. I think... You know, if if you've never seen an episode with Hartnell that you like, you should watch this and hopefully you will like it. Um, because, I don't know, you gotta appreciate Hartnell. He's he's number one. Yeah, he, he's, he's, he is the first. Yeah. And uh, I think, you know, a lot of people don't, just don't like him. Um, I, I, I would honestly take Hartnell over Trotton, you know, in terms of the, uh, the best of Hartnell, I think, is at least as good as the best of Trotton. Oh, uh, that's my first. I don't opinion. think we have to choose. I'm just saying. <laughs> All is good, man. All right, and uh, Vicky and Steven are good. Uh, we're going to see more of yeah. Vicky next week. Yeah, we're I'm talk psyched about, the about that. Um, we're going to kind of say goodbye to Ian and Barbara for a while, um, and we'll get to see more of Steven a little bit later on. So, uh, fun times. Awesome. Um, all right, I think that's it for us for right now. Uh, you can find us on iTunes. Shanna always gets upset if I don't say that first. Uh, you can search for Oys Spaceman Podcast. You can find us on iTunes. You can find us at our website, oyspaceman.libsyn.com. That's oyspaceman.libsyn.com. You can email us at <laughs> oyspaceman at gmail.com. You're looking at me. Oyspacemanpodcast at gmail.com. Isn't that not what I said? It's not what you said. You, you were you were shooting daggers at me with your eyes. It was uh, pretty amusing. Um, yeah, uh, you can find Shana on Tumblr and Twitter at Inkyosa. That's I-N-K-Y-O-S-A. You can find me at Daniel Lee Harper, D-A-N-I-E-L-E-H-A-R-P-E-R. Uh, any more comments? You done? The puppy chewing on you? Puppy's chewing on me a little bit. All right. <laughs> <laughs> well then, until next week when we talk about the Romans, the Romans, the balcony is closed. The couch is empty. Couch is never empty. It's never empty though. The couch is closed. You just you can't say the balcony is closed. There's no balcony involved. Well, it's 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 my Roger Ebert reference. So. I know, but you got to take the reference and make it your own. Well, yeah. The laptop is closed. The TARDIS is closed. The TARDIS is closed. The puppy is a little bitch. Don't say that about her. So true, though. This all might end up in the episode. I know. I know. All right. I love you, baby. I love you. Bye. Bye.